0: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. I want to take you back to the 1960s. Jim Crow is ending, schools are integrating. We're starting to see some change, but still at great cost to Black folks. And there's something nasty happening in the Chicago Police Department.
1: The Ku Klux Klan had created a presence in the Chicago Police Department. The Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan in Illinois was a Chicago police officer, was recruiting from within the ranks.
0: This is Dan Mihalopoulos. He's an investigative reporter on WBEZ's government and politics team. He and our colleague at the Chicago Sun-Times, Tom Shuba, investigated extremism among Illinois cops. And they looked into this history to get some context on how CPD has responded to extremism in the past.
1: Very, very aggressively, they put someone under cover to infiltrate that clavern of the KKK among the police officers. And they, within months, forced out or fired something like six officers who were involved in this, including the head of that clavern.
0: Here and at, one would gather that there was zero tolerance for KKK affiliation on the force at that time. Fast forward to this year, Dan and Tom reported on Illinois cops with ties to another extremist group, the Oath Keepers. That's an anti-government group that often recruits from within law enforcement.
1: They were centrally involved in the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the US Capitol.
0: Now CPD recently said that they didn't know all the names of these officers, but.
1: We found that they got a letter from the Anti-Defamation League in August of 2022 that did name
0: names. And what did they do this time?
1: We found that they did very little. They say that they do not tolerate it, but they did very much tolerate this in the department and in other departments across the state.
0: Sounds pretty different from how they responded over 55 years ago, right? Why would that be? We wanted to get into this with Dan and Tom, starting with a little more about what it means to be an Oath Keeper. Here's Tom.
2: It's about keeping your oath, right? The oath that you take when you become a public employee or a member of the military, an oath to the constitution. They had an interesting reading of the Constitution. <laughs> I'm like, <And> huh, interesting. <laughs> one kind of central uh, document was 10 orders we will not obey. And so essentially, wow. members of the Oath Keepers were saying, we will not obey certain official orders that that we as a group disagree with. So that could be anything from seizing weapons, right, which is can be a very important function of a law enforcement officer or do not impose martial law, which can be a very important function for members of the military and for members of law enforcement. So you have this group of people, you have this joint ideology and what we see over time is this series of alarming kind of arrests. Ultimately January 6th happens. They played a key role. Many members have been convicted, including some for a uh, seditious conspiracy and now, the group's future is kind of hanging in the balance because Stuart Rhodes, the, the mouthpiece, the founder, the face of the Oath Keepers, is now sitting in federal prison. Wow.
0: Um, thank you for that, Tom. Uh, I think that this may seem obvious to a lot of people, but I just wonder if you can say point blank why having folks who are members of this organization on a police force is a problem.
2: What people like Deborah Witzberg, the inspector general for, for Chicago, will say is that this is disqualifying, right? Simply joining a group like this is disqualifying. Hmm. What we found in a lot of the data was these people were dues-paying members in, in many cases, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point does that become material support, right? Mm. Where's that money going? What are you giving that money to? What is it going towards? Um, and as I mentioned before, these you know you have an oath to do your job. Right. Whether you're a member of the military, member of a police force, but then you're taking this uh, kind of subversive oath saying I won't perform some of the duties that I may be asked to do um, because my leaders, leadership in this group has said not to. Mm -hmm.
1: I think the other thing that we hear a lot and and I think has a lot of validity, this group will say that it is not uh, racist, that it opposed racism or bigotry. Uh, but when you see a lot of cases of people who have made allegations of racist comments or racist policing by officers who happen to be members of this group or happen to have later joined this group after these alleged incidents, um, you know, you have to wonder if, especially in a diverse city like Chicago, uh, being associated with a group like this certainly creates at least the perception that you can't serve and protect Fairly.
0: Yeah. Dan, a Chicago police sergeant named Michael Nowacki appeared on the list of Oath Keepers, and you spoke to a woman who interacted with him back in 07, Deborah Payne. What happened there?
1: Well, Deborah Payne is, is someone that uh, was a very moving interview for us. You know, she's a community activist in Englewood, a lifelong South Sider, and she wanted to um, help some poor people, basically, some people who are single moms, homeless. With little kids just trying to get some some stuff together before christmas so they would have christmas presents and they might otherwise not have Mm -hmm. so she sends out an email to a number of people some people in the alderman's office um some other community activists and also this officer that you mentioned sergeant nowaki who was working in that part of town in that police district at that time and he responded to her that she was a goof and she was stunned and deborah says why would you call me that? And he replies, I don't know if you realize who you're sending this to, but I don't care about inner city poor people. I'm not interested in helping inner city poor people. Well, the neighborhood that he was working at is an inner city, largely poor neighborhood, almost predominantly uh, a, a people of color. And, you know, he's doing this on Chicago police email. Yeah. You know, She files a complaint. She gives an interview and then they interview Sergeant Nowacki. And he says, you know what? My bad, basically. You know, um, I was going through some problems and, uh, you know, that was a mistake. But he made it very clear that he was only being interviewed, quote, under duress. So if you're an officer and internal affairs wants to interview you or the inspector general wants to interview you, you have to submit to that interview Mm -hmm. and you have to answer honestly or you could be fired for failing to cooperate or for misleading them. And and so here's a guy uh, who was caught red-handed really. Mm -hmm. Um, Three day suspension, that's all he got. By the way, we found out he served it by using just a tiny fraction of the nearly 150 hours of comp time that he had accumulated. So it really was no punishment at all. He still works in the city, he works in another part of town Deborah Payne's point is, why is he even a cop at all anymore? Like, she thought he learned his lesson, but then we come to her and we tell her, by the way, that cop also joined the Oath Keepers.
0: So as we talked about, this is not just a problem in Chicago. Y'all found members of the Oath Keepers within state law enforcement as well. One of those officers had an interaction with a high school track and football star named Jiren Mitchell. Can you tell me what happened in that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, Tom and I interviewed Jiren Mitchell and his entire family. He filed a lawsuit, which was highly publicized at the time, against uh, this Illinois state trooper, um, he, he lived down in Matson a uh, good student star athlete had just accepting uh, an offer from Northern Illinois University to play you know Division one college sports and no problems with the officers before that suddenly they come to his house because his brother was accused of leaving a traffic stop and this officer from the Illinois State Police named Matt Dumas decided that um, they had their guy, and he was wrong. It was m- mm-hmm. mistaken identity. Wow. Um, you know, Jiren Mitchell said, I'm not my brother. His grandmother said, that's not, you know, Sean, that's Jiren. But they <laughs> cuffed him, put him face down in the landscaping rocks in front of their their very nice house on a cul-de-sac out, out in the south suburbs. Stuck him in the back of a car until they figured out that the, they, they made a mistake, and they uh, detained the wrong guy, as they put it. Um, he was injured in the process, or so he alleged in the lawsuit, and the lawsuit was settled by the state for a large sum, $210,000, and uh, so it's a costly mistake by an officer uh, who was an oath keeper. If we're keeping people on the force that does stuff like that, what did I say as a state? What did I say as a community? When we told him that that officer was an oath keeper at one point, Jaron Mitchell felt that that was a missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And that that really made the whole situation start to make sense to him. Finally,
0: Hmm. Tom, these stories are jarring. It's been over a week since a lot of this reporting came out to the public based on your investigation. What developments have there been since then?
2: Well, there was a. CPD budget meeting last week where we saw the new superintendent vow to conduct a stringent investigation into you know, these officers who joined the Oath Keepers, who we detailed in our story. Uh, the internal affairs chief, Yolanda Talley, uh, said that they were hoping to do this kind of in an expedited way in about six months and we had the community commission for public safety and accountability which is a new civilian panel mm-hmm. that has oversight powers over the police board the police department copa um and they came out during their monthly meeting and they voted to recommend that the inspector general Deborah woodsburg take a look at this issue kind of through a broad lens which the inspector general told us she is willing to do but also noted that she is already has already been looking at extremism as mm-hmm. an issue within the CPD. So it seems to already be a mandate of hers to get to the bottom of some of this. And we had another incident in Stevenson County where we had some uproar. Uh, Dan can probably go a little bit more into this.
1: Yeah, that's in Northwest Illinois. One of the 12 officers that we found in the rest of the state beyond CPD, who had signed up for the old keepers, is the chief deputy sheriff in, in Stevenson County, just west of Rockford, about 100 miles from Chicago. Uh, His name was Andy Schroeder. And uh, his sheriff came to his defense, his boss, and he says um, the story's false. And then he goes on to say, well, he did join once when another member of the Illinois Army National Guard uh, suggested it to him and told him that uh, this group is is pro-law enforcement and pro-military and, um, you know, is a good thing. And uh, he didn't knowingly join an anti-government group. He didn't realize Hmm. it was an anti-government group. And, um, you know, so essentially he's saying the story is false. But then he goes on to repeat exactly what we reported. And the data showed that uh, Andy Schroeder joined the Oath Keepers at one time. What he thought about it and what he knew about it, we don't know what he would have found had he Googled them at the time, <laughs> the whole history of the Oath Keepers that, that that Tom just told you, which by that point, um, you know, was already something that that perhaps uh, would have indicated to him that he that he shouldn't join.
0: Yeah. And to your point, you know, these folks are not rookies, right, that, that are saying they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Right. These are trained, experienced folks who are in, in leadership roles within uh, within the police department.
1: Yeah, if you're talking about a chief deputy of a of a, a sheriff's office, yeah, you're in you're in leadership.
0: Yeah. What about the Fraternal Order of Police? Uh, th- that's the largest police union in Chicago. What are representatives from that union saying?
2: Well, John Catanzara, um, who has faced his own allegations of, uh, you know, being an extremist and who we spoke to about that, his frustration about being cast in that light himself, hmm. Um, essentially said this was a, quote, goofy witch hunt, and uh, was overreaching, and uh, at the same time said, I will draw a line in the sand with my officers, though, and with members of my group when it comes to extremism. That line in the sand was pretty far, right? He said, if you're involved (laughs) in trying to overthrow the government or something like January 6th or involved in a violent act like that, or you uh, conduct a plot like the one to kidnap uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, you should be ejected from the police department. Okay. Um, but I think you know, some of the issues that w- we're talking about here that are um, a little tougher to get at and a little tougher lines to, to find and to draw in terms of what is right and what is wrong and what officers should be able to do. Um, he was far beyond that, but he, he, he did disavow extremism generally, and, um, but said that officers should be judged by their actions essentially and not their associations.
0: Tom Shuba is a reporter and the criminal justice editor at the Chicago Sun-Times. Tom, thank you.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Dan Mihalopoulos is an investigative reporter on WBEZ's government and politics team. Dan, thank you.
1: It was great. Hope we can do it again soon.
0: The Chicago Police Department is conducting another internal investigation into Oath Keepers on the force, and the Inspector General's office is carrying out their own investigation. So this story is not over just yet. Dan and Tom will keep following along. You can see their reporting at wbez.org and suntimes.com. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleve for editing the show. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR network. And we love hearing from you. Email us with your thoughts, questions, and what you want to hear on the show. Email Pod at wbez.org. I'm Erin Allen. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.